1: Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land's Recruiting Centric Podcast, The Dotted Line. My name is Matt Timonini. On this podcast, we talk to Ohio State and national recruiting experts, LGHL's own recruiting analysts, and sometimes even recruits themselves. On today's episode, on the eve of starting fall practices up in the state of Michigan, which we'll get to, is Land Grant Holy Land recruiting columnist and our resident football coach, Caleb Hauser. Caleb, you all ready to hit the ground running with a high school football practice tomorrow?
0: I'm ready to go, man. It's like a kid on Christmas Eve. These are the kind of nights that you're just like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and skip the sleeping because I'm not going to be able to sleep a week anyways and just get ready for tomorrow. So it's going to be a good day. It'll come. It'll come early. We got to be up at, you know, 530 a.m. and hit the weights by 630 and, and keep rolling. So right. well, no we'll, rest of the weary.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're recording on Sunday evening. This won't come out until Tuesday. So you'll be like two days in by the time this, uh, this hits the airwaves. But I'm um, excited to uh, talk with you about all this stuff. It's been an interesting month in Ohio State recruiting. And I guess, let, I'll, I'll pitch it to you. Do you want to start with the good that we heard over the weekend, or do you want to get like the crappy three weeks that preceded it out of the way first? I'll leave it up to you. I think we just end with the good, and let's get the crappy okay. three weeks out of the way. Um,
0: it, right. Like you said, it's been one of those things where it's driving people nuts, um, and we can just get it out of the way.
1: All right, so things were going really well for Ohio State in recruiting. They were the number one recruiting class in the country, um, had gotten a ton of, of offensive talent, a bunch of wide receivers, which is your area of expertise, and obviously Brian Hartline was crushing it as normal, and then they started getting a lot of crystal balls for some very big-name, high four-star, even five-star defensive players, and then all of a sudden. All of those defensive players went other places, whether that was um, Alabama or a lot of them, maybe one goes to Georgia. A lot of people are starting to flip crystal balls over to some from Miami. So what the hell is going on? Is this just... Is it a lot of people are trying to blame NIL stuff? Is this just the normal rise of the SEC schools that normally come up at this time of year, especially Alabama always seems to be hitting its stride once the season starts? You know, I've got my own theories, but as someone who follows recruiting a little more closely than I do, Caleb, what are your thoughts on what the hell led to a really disastrous second half of July for Ohio State? I've been kind of pitching this in my head and just thinking about like how I kind of want to go about this because
0: and you've said it yourself, like I am typically not an optimist by any means i'm kind of a (laughs) i don't really yeah yeah, i don't look for silver linings it's like you know i'm I'm gonna call it like i see it and i've kind of like tried to take a step back a little bit to think of like you know again it it probably sounds you know super sunshine and rainbows all the time but like ohio state fans recruiting followers of ohio state like we're so i guess selfish sometimes or probably too blessed if that means anything i mean here we are like poo-pooing you know, the fourth best class. And when we were doing all this complaining, like they were the top ranked class in the country. So it's like, I mean, people that are not Ohio State fans are probably like, oh, boo-hoo, woe is me. Um, So I mean, I think everything kind of ties into it. I think SEC country, you know, definitely has something to do with it. I think coaching staffs, you know, like USC, um, you know, with Tackett Curtis, so we can talk about him, you know, more in depth in a moment. But I think when you have Lincoln Riley at USC, there's momentum there. Obviously, SEC country, like I said, is gonna you know always have their their hands you know completely surrounding you know their neck of the woods. I mean, that's just what they do. I mean, the best players in the country, and it's not close, are in SEC country. Uh, I think NIL, uh, excuse me, has definitely something to do with it. So, in my opinion, uh, I guess maybe the easy answer is it's kind of like a perfect storm of everything. Um, and, and for me, like watching Ohio State that last month, we saw it on you know kind of July sixteenth is really when it kicked off. You know, we see Troy Bowles who was originally before, you know, Jim Knowles got to Ohio state, that was kind of Ohio state's guy at linebacker. Like that was their top target. Um, He goes to Georgia obviously on July 16th. And then I think the one that kind of gut punched, you know, Ohio state fans the most kind of like, you know, what are you doing here is here's Tackett Curtis, Jim Knowles is, you know, prodigy kid that that's his obvious top and favorite target in the class. You're a linebacker coach by trade. You're the new defensive coordinator. Everybody and their brother knows that Ohio State has not struggled on offense. If there's anywhere you can pinpoint disastrous, you know, times on Ohio State's football field at all, is because of the defense. And we don't need to rehash everything with no, you know past God. hires. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's nuts. I mean, I, I don't lose sleep over it, you know, as a fan right now, but past hires, whatever, whatever have you, when you kind of see that top kid. And it, it's kind of funny. I mean, like they were saying like there's a restaurant down in Louisiana where Tackett's from that, you know, has a meal named after Knowles because he had been there so many times. Like when you see a kid leave Louisiana and you think you're going to get him and he goes to USC, that that's a sucker punch. So I think that's the one that kind of like really got the ball rolling. I think fans in general were like, you know what? I can look past the Bulls thing because, you know, we're probably going to get Tackett Curtis. And then you see him go elsewhere. It's like, okay, what in the world is going on here? And then just the momentum that, you know, kind of flooded from that with the D. John Johnson decommitment. Then you see, you know, Ty Lock with the tight end decommitment. You're just like, what is going on? Um, But I think at the same time, again, to make a real long story kind of short is the perfect storm of SEC country is always going to have, you know, that kind of, I guess, motivation and momentum to go and get guys that are in their footprint. And, whether we like it or not, Tennessee is closer to Alabama in regards to Ty Lockwood than Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, the way we feature a tight end is probably not the way that Ty Lockwood wants to be Mm -hmm. featured. And when Bama has not offered him to the point where he's been committed to Ohio state for that long, when you see that Bama offer and he goes and tweets it, and then he goes and visits, it's like, you know, you almost kind of see it coming, but at the same time, it doesn't make you feel any better. So again, to make it all wrap up real simply, I think it's a perfect storm. It's not anything that Ohio state, you know, wanted to happen, but if there's any program that can weather that kind of a storm, I think Ohio State's in a pretty good footprint right now.
1: And I've been saying this, and let me know if you disagree with me or not. And you've heard me say it in our Slack channel and stuff, but like I I mean I think we all understood that this year, especially on defense, was going to be a transition year because of all of the turnover of the coaching staff. The entire defensive staff turned over except for Larry Johnson. Right. And there was going to be growing pains and there still will be growing pains on the field. It sucks that they're going to be growing pains when they start the season off against Notre Dame, but that also translates to recruiting. So like, I am kind of of the opinion that this was to be expected, not obviously this extreme where you had a bunch of guys that you thought were in the fold and then went out, you know, decided to go other places, but like there was going to be a little bit of a, you know, put up or shut up uh, kind of mentality for the recruits that they want to make sure. sure that this Jim Knowles defense actually works, that there has been progress before they commit. And some of those guys didn't want to wait that long. And that is fine. I am totally on board with players doing whatever they think it makes the most sense for them. But I also think that if the Ohio State defense can come out and show market improvement over last year, they don't have to go from like whatever, they were 59th or whatever, 51st, whatever, last year to immediately being a top 10 defense like Ryan Day once. But like if they come out and shut down Notre Dame, you know, and hold them to 21 points or something, that goes a long way because then they've got a month to continue to get better. So I think that the defensive recruiting will be fine. The fact that they were so close with so many players, I think is actually a good sign. It sucks that they lost them. But if Knowles can actually turn this defense around to any noticeable level, I, I think that the defensive recruiting will level itself out because we forget, yes, it's August 7th now, but there's like four months to go before signing day almost. So like, and we can talk about maybe some of those guys that went elsewhere, maybe flipping later. But like, I just think in general, you had to expect that it would not be completely smooth sailing after, you know, essentially four, three, four or five years, save the one year that Jeff Hafley was the defensive coordinator of really bad defense in Columbus. I think recruits are going to want to see some progress on that side of the ball, especially when they are top 50, top 100 players.
0: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's, it's it really, it's a believe it, you know, I'll believe it when I see it type of mentality in my opinion. Um, and I think these kids, obviously, it, I think the other thing too is when you step back we kind of already hit on this, but when you're recruiting a national kid, you're already in a tough, you know, landscape. Ohio state is very blessed that they get a lot of these national kids. But I mean, again, we, we already touched on this. The national landscape is the best talent with the exception of California is it's in the Southeast. I mean, it it just is. Mm -hmm. And so when you've, when you're already going against the top blue blood programs in the country for these elite kids that are kind of all in one footprint, it's already tough. And then when you're having a new defensive staff having to do it, where a lot of times, you know, not to you know be that guy, but I mean, Tim Walton's coming from the NFL, Perry Eliano's coming from Cincinnati. They're not recruiting those top landscape kids. They're just not. I mean, they Tim Walton's in the NFL. So yeah, they, they don't, exactly. They don't have those relationships yet. So a lot of these recruits that they're going after, these recruits don't know the staff that well. So when you kind of put it all into perspective and you kind of like lay it all out in front of you and you think of, you know, why this did happen, why it occurred, it kind of makes sense. I mean, again, it's not anything that the staff wanted to happen, obviously, or the fans wanted to happen. But again, if you can consider what is taking place right now of, you know, we need to be able to see it before we believe it type of deal. And then again, knowing that the staff is brand new with the exception of one guy, it does kind of make sense. And again, I think when you see how the offensive success is just, every year year after year after year they're just getting whoever they want if you can sustain that for a little bit right now and have one of these transition years like you mentioned with a defense that you know finally shows up hopefully then i think we'll see you know the ball really start to get rolling but like you mentioned already it's everything in this kind of perfect storm with the defense if they can just do what they need to do this year it's going to be that transition year where things get better and again the the negatives that we've seen this year there's kind of a reason for them but I, I do think yeah. the silver lining in all of that is, is we need to give them time. We need to be able to see what they're going to be able to do on the field. Not one of these guys on staff has coached a game in Ohio State with the exception of Larry Johnson. And here we are, you know, kind of like throwing our fists in the air, like what is going on with the defensive recruiting? I mean, myself included, you've got to step back a little bit and see why this did happen. And it's because of the newness of this staff. And I think they'll right the ship eventually. And I think it'll, I, honestly, I do think it'll be this season.
1: Yeah, I I'm of the opinion that they don't have to turn around to be that top 10 defense and that is Correct. again something that Ryan Day is saying that's what he wants and of course that's what you want. But I don't sure. think I I mean if they were they were in the mid 50s I don't exactly remember the number last year which was you know it's not as bad as you actually think it was. Uh you know if you You know, they were much worse the year before, but if they get into the top 30, top 25 in terms of whatever defensive metric you want to use, because obviously they all kind of show different things, scoring yards, if you know, efficiency, all those things, whatever it is. If they get into the top 25, this is a national championship level team because of how good that offense is. So as long as they're able to do that, I think that's a step in the right direction. And honestly, I think it all comes down to if Ohio State is able to do to Notre Dame what I think that they are able to do to them. And I think that's putting up 40 plus points and holding them to 24 to 21 points, which is I, you know, we're still a month away from that game, but I think that's kind of what I anticipate in that game happening. Um, I think that goes a long way because then Ohio state has another like month before they have a a legitimate game that they have to be worried about. And I think that starts to build momentum for recruits, but talking about some of those guys that have committed elsewhere, is Tackett Curtis somebody that you think still might have an opportunity to flip? Is there anybody else from that group that you think they could get back into the fold um, if they do have some sort of uh, turnaround on defense? I mean, anybody who goes to Georgia or, or Alabama, I think it has a tough time to flip. But if USC you know, struggles a little bit in their first year under Lincoln Riley, I mean, do you think that Ohio State could get somebody to come back home even if they uh, you know, already committed somewhere else?
0: of the kids that we mentioned. I mean, and I don't want to throw shade at Alex cringe, but I will, but like,
1: Oh no, feel free.
0: Let's be real here. Like, okay. If you're waiting to see what the defense is going to be at Ohio state, like, well, let me show you what it's going to be at USC. Um, and you know, as Oklahoma or not, like, I'm not impressed with anything. Oklahoma's done on defense. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. And, and I wasn't and impressed with what Alex Crinch did at Ohio state either. So hundred percent. So my thing is this, if Jim Knowles had that great of a relationship with Tackett Curtis, guarantee he's not going away, um, in terms of, you know, trying to reach out to him and keeping that relationship strong. I mean, one of the things that these coaches do, and I know for a fact is they never poo poo a kid when they don't choose Ohio state, you know, they wish Mm -hmm. them the best and they keep that relationship as clean and as you know prolonged as they can just in case something happens with a flip you know later on you don't want to burn a bridge just because of like you know a 17 year old kid's decision so uh, of the kids that we've mentioned you know just in recent um the last couple of minutes i would say tack it's the one that i kind of look at um now thankfully we'll get into it a little bit later with you know who they already have at linebacker um but I think if there's one kid that there's worth mentioning in terms of a possible flip, I think the relationship with Knowles and Tackett isn't something that you just kind of blindly look past real fast. Um, that That's kind of the one that I see as maybe a potential candidate. Um, but again, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I just, I kind of think of like, you know, if you're waiting to see what Ohio State's defense is going to become, let me you know kind of give you a prediction of what USC's is going to be. Um, and that yeah. might be kind of rude, but it, it, at the same time, like there's a track record, you know, with Grinch, and they give up a lot of points, they give up a lot of yards, and whether it's the offenses they saw in the Big Twelve or not, I mean, I just I'm not super impressed with that kind of a <laughs> with that kind of a track record. So maybe Ohio State can save some face here and, and get him back in the fold, but it's not definitely not a guarantee.
1: Yeah, and obviously Knowles has a reputation of doing the exact opposite of that, not only in the same conference, but with Oklahoma's rival. So like, if you look at them, they've been up against each other head to head. And in terms of defense, uh, Knowles has won out there. So, so we'll see what happens now. This weekend brought a lot of news about a different type of flip uh, for Ohio state that may or may not happen. We know that I guess it was just last week uh, Dijon Johnson, who is 30th, yep. yeah, July 30th, um, the number 93 player in the country, a cornerback out of Tampa, Florida, who had been committed to Ohio state for quite some time. Yep, he, since April. yeah, since April he decommitted and, uh, a lot of people thought that he would be going to Florida and might actually make a commitment to the Gators. I mean, within days that has not happened. And over the weekend, a number of Ohio state reporters have started to talk about the fact that he might be reconsidering his decommitment. Now there was a lot of other speculation that we aren't going to get into out of, well, one, because it's sleazy that I, that they've even talked about it, to be honest with you, um, about what might've prompted his original decommitment, but it, you know, uh, and you can talk about this cause you coach high school players, but it was basically from what is being you know discussed a family issue. And we'll leave it at that. Um, but everybody said that he always wanted to be a Buckeye. And if it wasn't for those family issues, he never would have decommitted. Now, a number of people are reporting Bill Kurlich, uh, Alex Gleitman, Bill Green, that he I mean, he hasn't made the commitment back to Ohio State yet, but that it is more looking like that. Uh, it will be possible getting him back into the class would be huge. It would still keep them in third place in the overall rankings, but getting a four star top 100 player back into the class after he'd been there and left uh, and then getting him back in, that would be huge and would be a, a very big get for Tim Walton and Tony Alford, who are his two recruiters for Ohio state.
0: Yeah. I think if you, if you've been anywhere near a computer or your cell phone, the last 48 hours, um, it's been kind of message board frenzy with his name. And yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of unbelievable to, to try to even follow some of it um, to the point where I'm kind of like, I'll just, I'll just see it when it happens. Um, And I'll just read the couple guys that you really trust, if that makes sense. So uh, for me personally, everything that I've read is probably the same thing that everybody else has read too. Um, But I, I guess from the sources that I trust the most um you know the guys that have kind of been there the most with with these kind of recruitments and have the best intel it seems to me like the family situation may have caused a rash decision um and I know in my own life with you know coaching 15 16 17 18 year old kids rash decisions are not something that happened just out of the blue um it, you know it's kind of common and I'm not trying to poke fun at you know teenagers things come up and you know these you know these young men and young women too are are making decisions that they feel that is best for them and the now, Um, you know, not always looking, you know, to every detail ahead of their life. And that's not the point you know, shame or anything on anyone that has made a rash decision in their life, but you kind of see this as maybe that rash decision came from something that he thought he would need it to do based on this family situation. Um, but it seems you know now that you've kind of taken a step back. Maybe family can be supportive, uh, you know, in in another way with this. You know, Ohio State can now help families get to game day with you know helping with travel expenses. You know, whatever it be, um, it does look like the good. The good vibes are trending back to Ohio State. And like you said, this would be massive um, because the old adage is true. People get worried anytime a South Florida corner or South Florida athlete commits to Ohio State early. It's kind of like, well... You might have him now, but We've good luck keeping before. him in the fold. Yes, exactly. So keeping him in the fold is, you know, only half the battle. Getting his, you know, commitment, is, it's the other part of it. So I think if the Ohio State is able to get him back in the fold, it's a hats off to, you know, not only Tim Walton, um, but definitely a hats off to Tony Alford. Everything that I'm seeing right now is, you know, Tony Alford is a certified dude when it mm-hmm. comes to the recruiting trail. Um, and he's got those roots in Florida and he's got those relationships there and really all over the country. I mean, that he's incredible. So, um, Yeah. Again, I think the positive vibes are kind of looking towards him being back in Ohio State's class. And if they do, it's huge because, in my opinion, as as great as the receivers are, you know, having on the offensive side of the ball, like that position, the cornerback position in Ohio State and really you know, nationwide with how much you know receivers have taken, in in my in my opinion, a step in the offense, which was seven on seven and, you know, development leagues across the country in high school, um, the cornerback position is just pivotal to you know the overall success of the defensive scheme so getting the top 100 like you said kid back in back in the fold would be huge and hopefully that does happen i mean recruits have kind of been you know hinting towards it the message board frenzy you know insiders that actually know what they're talking about have hinted towards it so hopefully within the next couple hours we'll know and maybe by the time people are listening he's already back in the fold.
1: yeah we will see what happens That is a commitment that could be happening, um, but over the weekend on, uh, I guess, Saturday, Ohio State did get an actual commitment uh, that added to the class on the defensive side. It is a four-star player, not necessarily a high four-star player. Um, But it is a linebacker from Ohio, from one of the old pipelines that used to come to Ohio State and supply a lot of talent, uh, Cleveland Glenville High School, Um, and that is Arvel Reese, who is the number 277 player in the country, a top 20 linebacker, the number seven player in Ohio. I believe I read, and this was probably coming from um, uh, Buckeye Talk guys at Cleveland.com, saying that Ohio State now has six of the seven top players in Ohio uh, committed, the one that did not is going to notre dame and who knows if ohio state beats the crap out of the irish on uh, labor day weekend maybe that flips too um i don't know that they're still in on him but um reese is joining the class and you and i were talking before we started recording caleb and like this is a guy that probably always was meant to be a buckeye in this class but he was certainly kept maybe on the back burner maybe his 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 offer was non-committable until Ohio State kind of knew what was going on with some of the bigger name linebackers. But it always felt like there was going to be a spot for Arvel Reese in this class if he wanted it.
0: Absolutely. And I think what kind of signifies that is – Again, like you said, the storied program of where he comes from and the history that Ohio State has with Cleveland, Glenville. And, you know, that's evident when you see Cardale Jones, you know, tweet, Ville in all capital letters on Arvell's, you know, commitment tweet, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, when we're talking about linebacker recruiting and it's like, you know, good grief, we've got so many linebackers on the roster right now. At least that's a position where, like this year, you might not need to take two, you can take one. Um, But, you know, fortunately for Ohio State, you've got a kid in state that can get the job done. And Arvel Reese is no, I mean, without a doubt, he is no like back burner kid in my mind. Like this kid can flat out play and he can play at a very high level. And that's the reason why Ohio State should be fortunate that they have him. When you see offers like Alabama on his his profile and many more, you know, this kid's a real deal. He's a thumper he moves well side to side and he's that traditional middle linebacker. I mean, he's already 64 215 pounds. So, I mean, this is a kid that can get the job done in Ohio state. Having him in the fold is big time, especially when you look ahead to next year with his, you know, current teammate, Bryce West being, you know, a big time athlete out of Glenville. He's the, 33rd national player overall right now on the composite ranking. So, you know, getting your foot back in the door is is really not the, I guess, probably the saying you want to say with Glenville. Your foot's always in the door there, but kind of getting the wheel turning again and getting that pipeline to go again when they've got the talent that's obviously starting to come up again through that program, um, you know, that's exciting. So getting Arvell Reese back in, you know, back in Glenville's, you know, Ohio State pipeline is something that, you know, is really good to see, um, especially for, you know, what it can mean for the next couple of years as well, too, as they obviously have some great players coming up
1: yeah and anybody who is worried about oh it's the number 277 player he's just he's an also ran and not somebody that anybody really wants i mean he has offers from just kind of running through a number of them alabama he does have one from cincinnati has one uh from from michigan penn state usc virginia tech wisconsin like there are a number of big programs that have offered right. him and yep. uh he's he's a guy who uh fits in with what ohio state wants to do especially with kind of keeping the fence around the best players in ohio it hasn't necessarily been a focus of ryan day's uh tenure at ohio state thus far mainly because the they've gotten the top top guys but maybe not that next level of guys so it'll be interesting to see if they're able to get uh, you know that cleveland glenville pipeline working with uh i guess is is ted ginn senior still the coach there yeah. Yep. Yeah, He's still there running the yeah. program. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, all right. So before we wrap up, there's a, a couple guys that I want to talk about that are getting ready to commit this month. And for some of them, Ohio State is crystal balled for one of them. Um, probably Ohio State's the runner up in that case. But the one coming up first, I believe, is let me make sure I get these dates right um is uh Jaden bond i think he's coming up is it next weekend on the 14th i think is when yep. he is committing um, correct he is a four star safety number 259 out of jersey city new jersey um, the number four player in that class he has basically every uh Almost every commit or every crystal ball is from o- for Ohio State except for two that both came in early July. Uh, but everybody else since then, all of them in August happening either Thursday or Friday of last week, um, right. have been for Ohio State. And that includes 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan, Bill Curlick, the Dean of Ohio State Recruiting, and Steve Wiltfong, the Director of Football Recruiting for 24-7 Sports. So everybody that's happened in the past five days, since so by the time you hear this, is going with Ohio State there. Um, what do you think about adding another safety uh, to this class? A guy, again, four-star, low four-star, but four-star nonetheless.
0: Yeah, no, I, this has been one of the more you know fun recruitments in my my opinion, in just terms of kind of like a roller coaster. Uh, you know, it was one of those kids that's like you're in on Jonel Aguaro, who's obviously at Georgia, you're in on Caleb Downs, who's now at Alabama, but always on the back burner a little bit, you had Jaden Bonsu. And it was one of those deals for me that it's like This is a kid that you don't look past Uh, regardless of the two fifty nine overall ranking. Like this kid again is another kid that's got offers from Miami, Alabama. I mean, just, you can go on in the list and I won't bore people with the details, but for me, and I don't know if this is factual, but for me, I kind of looked at this as like when Jaden was, was in on Ohio state, it was, you know, kind of one of those things where Ohio state was kind of waiting the waters of who they're going to get for that third safety. And you already have Cedric Hawkins in, you already have Malik Hartford in, but you wanted that third one based on what kind of scheme that Jim Knowles runs, you know, when his base package of that four, two, five. So for me, when you see Jonell go to Georgia, when you see Caleb Downs, go to Alabama, that's where Jaden kind of comes back toward Ohio State. But before that, again, this is just me. I don't know this for fact, but it kind of looked like when Ohio State had a good chance of landing Caleb Downs before it kind of soured, it looked like we were having a good spot with Downs. So Jaden was like, you know what? I'm not going there. I'm going to Miami. So all the momentum kind of shifted towards Miami because of the fact that Ohio State had that good chance to land Downs. When you see Downs go to Bama, It real quickly flips right back. Like you said, the last five days have been very positive for Ohio state. It's like, well, he's gone to Alabama. Janelle's gone to Georgia. I can still go to Ohio state. And I think this is where he wants to be. And, In my humble opinion, this is a kid that, you know, is, again, not a back burner type of kid at all. I've watched his film. The kid's a thumper. Um, That kid can flat out move and come downhill in the run game, but also can defend, you know, in the pass game as well, too. So um, definitely a kid that I would be excited to get. And I know the staff will be, too, if that does uh, happen on August 14th. But all of all of the last, you know, like you said, the last five days momentum has looked good for Ohio State. Finally, um, you know, to be able to go back in and get a third safety in this class.
1: Uh Yeah, so that looks good. Another guy that looks good as of now with a lot less confidence is uh, Desmond Omiozulu, who is a number 165 player in the country, a four star edge rusher out of Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Um, he is currently crystal ball to Ohio State, but it's just one prediction. Right. But then again, it's from Steve Wiltfong, uh, the director of football recruiting for 24-7 Sports. It did come at the end of June. So there's been some time since there. Um, It looks like his finalists are coming down to Ohio State, North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, He's a guy who, you know, he's a, a four star edge rusher. Larry Johnson is the primary recruiter on him, obviously. You know, we talk about the fact that Larry Johnson knows the type of players he wants and he often gets, you know, top guys, especially, um, you know, when he puts a lot of time into them, as we've seen with, you know, Jack Sawyer, who obviously is a Columbus area native, but also JT Tui Maloau from California. So this is a national guy that Larry Johnson is putting a lot of eggs into the basket for. And if he ends up committing, it's hard for me to question Larry Johnson on who he decides to bring into the fold.
0: Right. I think for me, too, I look at kind of like Larry Johnson's track record and with his DMV ties, it's like how cool, obviously, once again, that if, you know, we already have Jason Moore, who's a top player in Maryland for this class. But if you're able to go back and double dip and get Desmond in the 2023 class as well, you got two of the top three kids in the state of Maryland. Like, hello, Maryland, what are you doing? Um, But at the same time. You know the fourth best kid is at Notre Dame. The, the sixth best kid's at Ole Miss. The seventh best is at South Carolina. The eighth best is the Northwestern, and on down the list, it's like Maryland doesn't have a clue what they're doing in their own state, which is completely fine with me. Um, but if they're able to go ahead and go back in and double dip with Desmond, that would be huge. Um, for me, I'm not get, I'm not going to second guess Larry Johnson at all. Um, He's too good. I don't think this is one of those recruitments where you're like, well, you know, can we get him late if we don't get someone else? I think this is a kid? That it's an automatic take in my opinion. I mean, he's a top 165 player. In the country. I mean, like, I don't really think any more needs to be said. He's a top 20 edge rusher in the country. I mean, that's, for me, that, 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 uh, you know, that kind of track record bodes well. Um, You know, I'm not looking for any more accolades other than that. You look at the offer list and again, it's as impressive as you can get. So this is another kid that, in my opinion, if Ohio state's able to get him, that's huge. Um, when Steve Wilt fall crystal ball, someone, no, it's not a guarantee, but it's, you know, like, kind of like they say, you know, it's the next thing to a guarantee as close as you can get. So I'm confident Ohio state can get him. And I think Larry Johnson, you know, if he can you know, really go hard after these, after him, the last three weeks, uh, you know, up until his decision date on August 29th, I think this is another kid that, you know, will round out a really good defensive line class. I think Ohio state's, uh, you know, they're slow in the game. Larry Johnson does, you know, tend to take his time and he's kind of one of those late pushers, but there are several guys out there that they're, you know, still doing a good job on. So, and I think Desmond could be the next one in the fold.
1: There is one other defensive lineman that is set to commit in August that Ohio State is. I don't want to say a finalist for because I think they've probably fallen out of contention for Jalen Thompson, who is the number 195 player in the country, a four-star defensive lineman from Cass Tech in Detroit. You are a high school coach in the state of Michigan. It looks like he is going to end up as a Spartan at Michigan State. Penn State and Cincinnati are also probably in the running there. Ohio State feels like they've fallen back. Uh, behind those other schools there but in the off chance that something changes there what do you know about Jalen Thompson and if he does decide to become a Buckeye what he could end up bringing to this class
0: yeah I mean he's one of those kids that has taken late visits I mean he was on Ohio State's campus over the summer. And then he was recently back at Ohio State, um, you know, later this summer, so in, in late July. So it, in my opinion, it's one of those things where it's like, don't count out Ohio State. I mean, the safe pet right now is Michigan State. I've watched this kid on film. I've seen this kid on a camp circuit before and he does move well. He's a big kid that has a lot of power and, and he's, he's a good player that, you know, unfortunately if Michigan State gets him, he's someone you're gonna have to go up against for a couple of years. Um, but in my opinion, I, I don't think it's one of those deals where it's an automatic done deal right now. Um, I'll be surprised if he doesn't go to Michigan State, but I do think if there's one person that you don't want to count out, it is Larry Johnson. So you know, if Ohio State can make a late push here, maybe. Um, but I mean, I, again, I think Michigan State's probably the safe pick here. Um, but being the fact that you know he's made multiple trips to Columbus since his you know first visit, um, and one recently, not even a whole month ago, that that kind of does show you that he's at least more than just interested in what Ohio State has. To I think Michigan State will probably be the, the likely destination when it's all said and done.
1: All right. Well, to wrap it up, Caleb, is there anybody that we didn't talk about that fans should be looking at in terms of recruiting and maybe somebody who not necessarily might commit soon, but somebody who is not necessarily on the radar of an, of an immediate commitment that you think uh, will eventually be in the class that could make a difference whether it's in terms of shooting Ohio State up the rankings, or could potentially be a sleeper that people aren't discussing at this point, that could end up making a big difference when he eventually gets on the field for the Buckeyes.
0: I don't think it's one of those things where people aren't really discussing him. I think it, he's probably discussed, you know, at nauseum. But he's not always tied to Ohio State. But from everything that I've read, everything that I've seen, and I've I've asked a couple people on it, and uh, Ohio State does. They have a legitimate shot to land Mateo Uyungle. Um, So that's one of those things where if you can get that kid in the fold, like, all right, Larry Johnson, like, I know people kind of, you know, tend to, always say, well, he's, you know, he's next to retire, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it would just prove that, you know, Larry Johnson at least has a couple more years in him. Uh, So again, it's not, it's not one of those things that's going to happen anytime soon. He's, he's been quoted as saying he's going to take his time with this and, you know, go through, go through the recruiting process, probably up until, you know, signing day, whether it's the early one or the late one in February. Um, But this is one of those recruitments to me that it's just like, you know what, let's see, let's see what happens. You know, let's kind of, you know, roll the roll the dice and see how, you know, Ohio State fares in this one. But I, I do think it's a legitimate option. And again, it's one of those ones that's not gonna happen anytime soon, unless something really drastically changes, but it's one of those ones worth watching. And I do think this would be kind of one of those cherry on top recruitments, kind of like JT Tuimolo was, uh, you know, for Ohio State earlier on. Um, it's just one of those things where it might happen very late, but it's one of those things that can really, you know, cap off the class with a bang. So I'm, I'm hoping for that one, obviously, and everyone else that's in Ohio State Fan is as well too, um, just be him with you know kind of the track record and in the talent that he has, but that's one that's definitely worth wa- waiting for and definitely one worth watching.
1: Yeah, and Big Dave seems to really like Ohio yeah. State. His dad no really yeah. seems to like him, and obviously, I I, I find this recruiting fascinating because it does not seem like he has any interest in Clemson where his brother DJ is the quarterback (laughs) fine by me yeah I totally love that I don't I mean obviously I would love that whether he goes to Ohio State or not just because I (laughs) hate Clemson and not a Dabo Sweeney fan Um, but he is the number 27 player in the country he is the number four edge rusher the number three player out of California Um, a St. John Bosco guy who a lot of Ohio State fans have wanted to kind of see Ohio State get more in there. And they've been in on guys at St. John Bosco for a while without necessarily having as much success. But that's a, I mean, it's a tough pipeline to establish all the way across the country. But if they can get Mateo, that would be huge. And I, you know, the other schools that are on him are everybody you would imagine, Alabama, USC, Oregon. I think it'll be tough to get him out of California. But if he does leave and doesn't, you know, stick in, in SoCal. Like I feel like Ohio state's got a pretty decent shot because big Dave is a talker, but he seems to really like Ohio state. So, um, he's number 27 in the composite rankings, a five-star player, 24, seven sports own internal rankings, have him as a number eight player in the country. And as much as the composite rankings are nice because they bring it to everybody's account. If you're going to go on one single services rankings, 24, seven is the one to do it. So that is, makes it even more exciting. Um, so we'll see what happens. Like you said, it's going to take a while for him, but he is a legit difference maker. And if they can land him, that will certainly push Ohio State's class back towards the top and and could very much kind of save what a lot of people thought was going to be a horrific defensive class. Uh, and I, I know that you are somebody who has... Not enjoyed uh, (laughs) former guest Ari Wasserman's comments about the potential for this Ohio State class. So that would certainly shut him up. Although I actually think his reasoning on his thoughts on why this could be a down year for Ohio State make a lot of sense. Um, But down in, you know, in relation to what Ohio State normally would be. But uh, if they can get Uyunglele, like, I mean, that's a cherry on top, like you said. So so would would love to see that happen. Um, All right. Well, I mean, you know, we've got football happening in less than a month, but there are definitely a lot more recruiting twists and turns that will happen before then, and we will have them for you all at LandGrantHolyLand.com. But until then... Thank you for listening to this episode of The Dotted Line. Caleb, thanks for joining me on a very busy day for you before practice starts dark and early tomorrow morning. Um, If you are finding this episode on landgrandholyland.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now that the season is coming back, we will be cranking out at least one, and in many cases multiple episodes every day of the week. They will all have a unique perspective and voice that you won't hear anywhere else in the Buckeye Podcasting Universe. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at Matt. Caleb, where can people follow you on Twitter? Caleb Nine. Awesome, everybody! Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks.